into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating our citizens as less than human. We should do like ten. Do like 10 minutes. We can cut this, but don't worry about it. Uh, all right. Oh, this show's <laughs> starting. <laughs> Sorry, it threw me off. Um, um, music makes the people come, come together. together. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's the most important part is that, yeah. Oh, wait, I just walked in the room, head. and you two are really beautifully harmonizing right now. Thank We're you. coming together. The music is making us do it. The music... I love it when we're grooving together. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pod Damn America, the music edition. Big some people come together. New All podcast. that she wants is another baby. Is another baby. Nah, showing ya, mama bishi, mama. Hot takes. Um, what's We're just the... violating as many copyrights as we can <laughs> right now. I'm trying I... to remember the Pure Moods commercial from the '90s. It had like Enya on it and stuff. Sail away, sail, sail away, away, sail, sail away. away. Oh, you mean the uh, like those commercials that would just play little bits of all the songs? Yeah, like lady in red, like that. Yeah, it was almost the whole album, and you'd just be right. like, "Well, I just heard it." Oh <laughs> just... yeah, dude, I remember Michelle Branch had one of those uh-huh. buzz ballads. Anything that ran on the Toonami network, I was fully exposed to. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit of a precursor to the conversation we're gonna have with the Resonate people, but music is a good example of how art is always like absurd in it's like sort of being forced to fit into capitalism. Those commercials are really stupid. You shouldn't have to go turn on your TV and then hear 10 seconds of a bunch of eighties songs and then go, maybe I'll listen to Enya Enya should just exist. And then you can go listen to her. You just know? let Enya exist, I guess is all we're saying. Who can know where, where the road goes? One of the best commercials I've ever seen. This is going to be a good episode just on, based on this part where we all guess what <laughs> song sounded like. Have you seen the commercial where Jean-Claude Van Damme is uh, between two trucks? One leg is on one truck, two trucks, one leg per yeah. truck. Is moving forward and he does the splits and that uh, Enya song is playing. It's really I, beautiful. I have. It's not a commercial for music, but it is no. very serene in its own way. Yeah, he's like yeah. old for it. He's like not young for that. No, you watch that commercial and imagined what the wind must feel like on his balls because that's all I could think about is that they're just hanging. And that there's got to be like the power, the power, like when you're driving a truck and you stick your arm out the window, it's a lot of wind, you know? I have music insights. We shall share our music insights. But first, let's share our names. Oh, right. We used to tell people who we were in this podcast. Um, Sorry, it's devolved into insanity in the last few weeks. None of us are allowed to leave the house. I'm Jake Flores reporting from Texas today, which is why I sound extra Texas style. That's Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. That's Alex Patek. And I'm rapping Alex Patek, yo. Oh, yeah, you are rapping Alex Patek. You, on the recent episode, I think, we might have been recording, mentioned that you're a rap guy, and it blew my mind because I didn't know you listened to music. And we've been friends for quite some time. We just never talk about music. Uh, well, this is, I feel like, what we could talk about for this thing. I, like a lot of people, I have a hard time, like, finding new music since college. Like, because and you're outside of, like, a cluster of people who are like, you should listen to this. I just listened to the same 10 artists I found eight years ago over and over. And if they have a new thing, I'll put it out. 
Uh, I I would not go around telling people I'm a rap guy because I'm very bad at trivia. Like when you're like, oh, you're a rap guy named three beats. Uh, but I I was I was very into just say beats by Dre. You got two right there. Dre and his proteges, yeah. Eminem and Yellow Wolf. Um, no, I was uh, I was saying the Zach Fox album is good, which is related to today's thing, because Zach Fox is always sharing resonate co-op shit, which I think is pretty nice. Oh, yeah. That guy blew the fuck up in music as well as stand up. You got to love when that happens and you're just like, damn, maybe I'm just not talented. That's too bad. <laughs> it, it makes everyone feel so bad when someone's able to do that, because the thing that you tell yourself as a comic is like, well, at least I know how to do this thing that musicians don't know how to do. And then it turns out they do. And you're right. just a loser it's this fucking system <laughs> <laughs> i mean usually when i'm watching like uh like bands play i feel very good for a brief moment and i feel superior because they'll try to tell jokes and they either bomb or they kill but it's like not because they're good at telling jokes it's just because they have the power of a band on stage and they'll be like oh, oh, oh and then all, you know, they deliver a joke the worst possible way anyone could possibly do it. And then you're like, these people suck. I do this without a band. But, the, <laughs> but that like this have used to happen in Austin a lot when I lived there because it's this huge live music town. But then this guy, Mike Weeby, came along. He's in this great band called the Riverboat Gamblers, who are like a marked men type of Denton crazy, like physical punk band. Incredible front man climbing all over the ceiling when you see him. This motherfucker started do, to do comedy, and he's really good. And he's a good friend of mine, and I hate him for it. Yeah, that really is hard. I mean, one of the few pleasures I get is when you watch, like, a Bruce Springsteen live concert or some, like, huge famous musician there between songs. And then they can't bomb. You can't bomb with a crowd that loves you. That's impossible. But you do go up to a million people, and you're it. like... I have done it. Yeah. You <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen have around the same level of public adoration. That's a thing I fully believe. Um, but you see them go up, like, they're, like, fucking the river ends. And then they're like, oh, I saw... This is a great little old town. Blum, 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 blum. Everyone's I saw, like, ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. I saw the one horse you have leave. There, the, boss, <laughs> the boss does like to speak during his songs. Like, he'll take a little break from the singing and just say stuff. And the weirdest. That's the too much. Surreal, Don't do that. It is, especially he did this election night, the day before the election, uh, 2016. He was playing a rally in Pennsylvania and just like stopped the middle of the song while he's still like picking at his guitar and like named off Hillary Clinton policies. Her <laughs> <laughs> new mortgage proposal will help families between seventy thousand and two hundred grand a year. We're talking about food stamps for Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to laugh when your boss is talking. So he has that right. going for him. Not True. fair. Your life depends on it. But he also is like a, he does that. Like he's kind of like a one man show guy. Like in between songs, he tells weird stories from the past and it's part of it. So he's different. He's all, I think the ultimate of that type of performance, probably like Tom Waits, where it's like, it's a whole weird lounge show when I'm on stage. I'm just going to kick in and out of songs. People that can do that, very impressive. Yeah. Tom Woods could definitely get away with basically anything. Just Making tells a story words. about like a rat he saw one time in a yeah. shoe that he picked up off the side of the road. And then the piano starts twinkling. Uh-huh. Now at the part of the show, I break out my puppet friends. Meet Mr. <laughs> Mistopheles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The cat from Cats. Yeah, we all strive to be that beloved, I think. To be Anders level beloved. <laughs> right. Anders, what do That's you listen me. to? I think we've figured out Alex is a rap guy and I'm like a punk guy. My my is since we spent so much time trashing Spotify, my Spotify emotions were hype and angst, which I love <laughs> to read at 30. <laughs> 
I like uh, I'm pretty eclectic. I do like rap. Um, I people a lot of people are surprised by this, but the Twin Cities, where I spent my adolescence, actually has a ton of hip hop. Uh, a lot of it is very good. A lot <laughs> yeah. of it is not, and it's like kids who like look like me, like the 15 year old version of me, just rapping about really hyper local references like you know yo minnesota be chilling we got prince and bob dylan like just damn that's talking good. about the twin cities more of i want to get uh, me a juicy lucy and stick it in that pussy yeah that's good uh, thank you exactly I, uh fucking atmosphere is from minneapolis yes. and i i uh he's pretty cringy but i mean he made a few good songs so i listened to yeah. him a lot in like high school and stuff but i used to always I could, it would, he did a thing that would break me out of the song. Like I'd be kind of into it. And then he said this thing. I just made me laugh every time. Then one of his songs, he's doing the rap thing where you start naming off all the different scenes. And he's Uh like, East coast, West coast, down South, Midwest. And when he gets to Midwest, you're like, there's not a Midwest that we all know and love. (laughs) You're being ridiculous. There's atmosphere and his friends. Yeah. The thing that always killed me with that song, uh, Say Shh is the name of it. He does not. He's talking about Minnesota and he lists off like every city in Minnesota except St. Paul. Uh, oh, my God. Yes. The, oh, the violence that must have occurred. That's <laughs> where his jilted ex-lover Lucy lived there. So he never talks about it. Right. Juicy Lucy. Exist. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. His fucking girlfriend's <laughs> name was Lucy. He was talking about a sandwich this whole time. <laughs> Why can't you just have the cheese on top of the hamburger? <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's silly. What are you what are you trying to I prove? Like the, I don't know. I like a lot of stuff. I uh I lately I guess I've been listening to it's it's bad to admit this now, I guess, but uh Norman Fickelstein was saying that you can never trust a white person who likes jazz. <laughs> and I enjoy jazz sometimes. I don't know a lot about it. I just like putting it on. I was really hoping uh, you were going to be like, I don't like admitting this, but I've been listening to Norman Finkelstein's band. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we talked about this. He does rap. He did. Yeah. Rap. There is a video out there of him rapping. Really? Norman good. Finkelstein from Palestine to <laughs> I can't remember how it goes. Fuck. <laughs> It was stuck in my head for like a week after that episode. I was just in the shower that week going, Norman Finkelstein. Norman, fin- Norman Finkelstein. Norman Finkelstein. From the river to the sea. Norman Finkelstein. That's right. Andrews, tell us more about your jazz. Uh, well, Duke Ellington is from the city I live in. DC, of course, as a... Big Jesse. I'm get trying to learn more about DC Punk Fire Party. I've been listening to them recently. Uh Go Go. It's big in DC. You know, I'm eclectic. I'm I'm all over the place, you know. I'm you can't you can't categorize me. And many have tried. And they've all failed. <laughs> yes. Many doctors. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It's just a doctor looking at a chart and being like, I'm sorry, Anders, you're kind of a jazz freak. <laughs> You're an enigma. Yeah. We need to put you in special classes. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mrs. Lee. This is his Spotify wrapped. It's terminal. <laughs> it says he's bold yet whimsical. <laughs> I had a uh, big year musically last year because I asked Bryn Niebuhr from Stay Inside for any new music. And then she gave me one playlist and then I got my Spotify wrapped. It was just that playlist. <laughs> It was just the yeah. one suggestion I had all year. I was like, good, we're growing. She has good taste in music. She's a professional musician. I would expect right. so. Yeah, that's the thing. Is those are the only people that make it into adulthood and still kind of like have active taste in music and don't just get drunk and listen to your favorite album from high school. COVID has been very hard for that because I have gotten drunk alone and watched music videos for Linkin Park so many times it no longer <laughs> holds any joy for me. And okay. now I'm just out here watching. I found some really good music videos last week if you have music video night. Uh, the the Migos video for Walk It Like I Talk It, although I don't like that song very much, the music video is amazing. They're doing like a Soul Train thing with Drake. Very fun. Uh, I watched She-Wolf, 
And it got me to appreciate Shakira. All of Shakira's music is in English and Spanish, which I know we all know, but the music videos in English and Spanish, how do they make that sync up? Did you see, have you ever seen He Wolf? He Wolf? (laughs) Yes, it is a shot for shot remake of the She Wolf music video uh, made by a young man from Washington State a number of years ago. And it's very good. He he made the, the entire set Kind of a clap back. (laughs) Shakira? Men's rights. Shakira. It was a tribute, really. It was just like him him literally doing all of Shakira's moves. The part where she bites her fingers and the sound goes in. Yeah, Yeah, her her wolf howling, by the way, not what a wolf sounds like. It's nothing like a real wolf. When you encounter a wolf in the wild, it doesn't go, ah, woo. Singing the monster mash. (laughs) It's much the far less sexual than the way she does it. I don't know what she's trying to prove. <laughs> yeah, why I have didn't children she here. Howl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the part yeah. is she, she starts, she starts <laughs> freaks out, barking like DMX at the audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, um, speaking of wolves, they live in. Uh, you know, big empty parts of the country, like the state of Maine. Oh, nice, nice segue. Thank you. That's really good. Yeah, <laughs> wow, I'm That's really blown good. away, blown away right now. Uh, yeah, we figured we would have to throw one news tidbit in here. Uh, bad news on the labor front. Um, Janet Mills is the governor of Maine, Democrat. For a while, they had that lunatic Paul. LePage, who was just out of his freaking mind, called black people the enemy and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but Janet Mills became governor recently. They have uh, both state legislative houses are in Democratic control, and they passed a bill through the state legislature that would allow agricultural workers in Maine to unionize and collectively bargain. Janet Mills, however, vetoed it, and you cannot make up her rationale for this. She says, I cannot in good conscience allow a bill to come law that would subject our farmers to a complicated new set of laws that would require them to hire lawyers just to understand, which is incredibly (laughs) condescending, the idea that people who work uh, in agriculture cannot read you're or, too dumb you know, to get it. Yeah. You don't have to hire. I don't know. I know she knows this. You don't have to hire a lawyer. Everyone knows this. Every time a law changes, you don't have to hire a lawyer. That is insane. <laughs> yeah, it also, doesn't make sense for any field, really. If yeah. the law changes, then it's too tricky for some people. I mean, she's just saying that she's just not saying that she doesn't like the law because like bullshit. This person will introduce other laws, right? That- right. They have no problem putting into the law and won't go, but no one understands. It's bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. I it's just, I it's a thing. And another it, thing. It, <laughs> I will. <woo. would> <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Shakira to uh, start howling at the moon. Maybe in protest <laughs> of this bill. The farm workers could say, we need to collectively bargain. We need to have a union in order to prevent the wolves from destroying our crops, the crops right. of the farms we work on. And uh, she could be like, what wolves? They're not, that's not that big of a problem anymore. And then, But Shakira could actually be dressed up like a wolf. Yeah. And, and no uh, one, you uh, wouldn't shoot Shakira, would you? Would you? I would They'll be not. like, that wolf is speaking Spanish. We got to get the law passed <laughs> to get them the fuck out of here. My yeah. God, that is one of the most talented wolves I have ever seen. Purely in terms of hips. It <laughs> would be extremely difficult to shoot Shakira because I don't know if you know this. She's like under four feet tall, something like that. She's really short. That's yeah. how she can do all those moves is because she's no, so compact. Right. I, under four. She's three feet tall. Okay, maybe not that tall. Let me see. Shakira. She's under two feet tall. There's no way. You had to mean five feet tall. I just rolled with it. But what? Okay, I'm seeing this. She's six foot three. Apparently, she's five two. 
That's like kind of short. I know. I thought she was way shorter. People, I remember people telling me that she was like much shorter. Maybe she got height implants. She got height implants. That's what it is. I'm seeing. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm seeing different sources. Uh, there's another source that says she's four eleven. So, I don't know. Something's inaccurate here. That's but, no. That's probably that's. No, you're right. She's probably three feet tall, Andrews. <laughs> and the internet is lying. Yeah, it doesn't change the fact we still need to dress her up like a wolf and put her in Maine, a place that is full of normal wolves. <laughs> well, it should be down to their height. Yeah. She's only three feet tall, right. like a wolf. And wolves but, respect that. Yes. That's what anyway, this game it's a about. ridiculous uh, excuse for a law that would just increase people's rights to unionize. And, you know, if you're worried about the lawyers, then the unions have lawyers and they can help these people know their rights. Total bullshit excuse. So, yeah. Yeah, that is a bunch of bullshit. So who are we talking with today? Today, we are talking to people from Resonate, a cooperatively, cooperatively run streaming service. So think Spotify, but not evil. Run in a way where the workers and the artists get the money. Resonate. It's cool. Let's talk to the people from Resonate. Hit it. Uh, hi, uh, we are now talking to Rich and Brandon from resonate the cooperatively run streaming service welcome to the show y'all hey peace peace great to be here thank you yeah thanks for joining us um so i guess off the bat what we're curious about regarding this project is uh you know what inspired it to begin with obviously i think everyone hates spotify even those of us that just use it uh to listen to music but can you go into a little bit of detail about what we're trying to do better than Spotify? Like, what's the problem with traditional streaming services? Uh, also, you know, Apple Music, YouTube, just everything that's out there right now. Yeah, well, the the project actually started in like 2015. Um, and the founder is a fellow named Peter Harris, based in Berlin. And he he was really inspired by both the platform cooperative movement, which is uh, you know what we we are, which is basically where you uh, you raise the money to build a platform, uh, and then it's it's owned by the people that built it and put the money in it and that use it. Um, so there, there, this movement got going like five years ago or so, and like people may be aware of like drivers co-op in New York right now, which is kind of like doing what. Uber would do, but the platform is owned by the drivers. So instead of having like a huge venture capital relationship where you've got to make 50 times your profit and pay back these people, um, you've got something that uh, that's owned by the people that use it and work with it. Um, and any surpluses go back to the owners, which are the people that use it and, and work with it. So it's uh, that's, that's in general, the kind of platform, that's the platform co-op movement. And Peter was inspired by that. And then he was also another thing that was kind of happening in Berlin a few years ago. And it's, you know, got different places around the world is that uh, like Ethereum movement and just the idea in general that you could uh, you could build a better space for being online and you could handle data in a better way. So that instead of having uh, instead of like taking advantage of the way that people interact with things online, where their personal data is being used and then resold, which is actually the business that all the online giants uh, have been running over the last uh, 15 years or so, that there might be a different way to do those kinds of things. So those came, those came all together. And then I think the streaming idea was, you know, streaming is a, it's kind of like radio or whatever. It's a way to get people connected to the music, to hearing it directly. Um, you get, you get the role of somebody that's like putting the music out there, like a DJ type person who's like curating and making it work for other people. Um, and then, yeah, Spotify grew up in that space in the last few years. And I like to say that it's like, they're awesome because every good story needs a villain. And like, they're about as bad as could be in this area, you know? And um, so it makes us, you know, 
I, I, I'm trying to tell a story where like our objectives are bigger than just streaming, but streaming is definitely the service that we provide. Brandon, do you, do you want to fill in on that at all? Yeah, I mean, um, I agree. I mean, I think one of the things is that uh, having clarity around like our data, like not being sold um, and also being able to be in the space where we can build something collectively, like something that we want to see. I feel like um, it's important that people know about Resonate, that it's a, it's a work in progress. You know, like um, these are things that like, you know, like Spotify has like maybe like 600 and maybe 6,000 developers, you know, like working on their stuff, you know, and like we have a very small team that's super dedicated, but the things that we want to see, I think is, is something where um, like if people want to see it, like if people want to make it happen, like we can make it happen, but it has to be like a concerted effort, like amongst a crew of people, you know, and for me, I'm, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of like, Spotify, iTunes, like all of these different kind of streaming services are doing kind of like what the record labels do. Like, and, you know, artists are so far disconnected from their actual like creation, their actual labor, their actual like value, you know? And I feel like this, this is a way among many that like, we can try to like level the, the playing field a bit, you know, and bring some repair like back into the situation. Just to fully flesh out the story, because I am so curious about this. Could we just talk shit about all the bad <laughs> things Spotify does? Because, like, I get the general idea, but I would love some juicy details. Well, I mean, there's a couple different things. For one, you if you look at um, what do they look like? They got a lot of money, right? This this guy, uh, Eck, that runs it, apparently put all this money into, a, like, a Peter Thiel virtual weapons thing, whatever. They got a lot of money, but they haven't actually made money from their service. It's, it's uh, the stock market money has fueled it all. So it's, it's basically a very, very advanced uh, form of capitalism, you know? So let's start there. Like, it's just, it's the wrong kind of project. It's ultimately where I come from. I've been working around music for a long, long time. I'm a bit more of a bit older than you guys, for example, but uh, I've, I've tended to work in the independent music space. And part of that is out of respect for music. And I think ultimately my, my big objection to Spotify is it's, it's, it is, it doesn't put music in a proper social relation. It's, it's disrespectful. And I don't mean to cast shame on anybody that works with it. I think that that's fine. People need to do what they need to do in this world, but it's not where I want to put my energy. So that's abstract to be more to the point. They don't pay enough. They got all this money running around. People are paid very well. They got 6,000 employees, like Brandon said. They're paid very well. The artists are not paid. They can't manage to pay the owners one penny per play, which is, is where we start. Like We guarantee that people will get a penny a play. And we guarantee that when you, when you listen and you pay on our service, that artist or songwriter gets that money. That's the other problem with Spotify is that they don't, it's not a direct relation. You might be listening to a particular artist, but they don't actually get paid for your listens. They, mm. It goes into this complicated system. And, you know, so that's basically called user centric. If the user is putting the money in for a particular song, that person should get that money. That's, that's again, that's where we come from. Finally, like what they've actually got going there. And this is also, we're very, very cautious because we, we're, we're, we want our members to tell us like how to be respectful to music. So we, we haven't, we haven't, as we get our system going, we're really open to people telling us things like, do you even want to hear from the service, like who you should listen to? Like, we're very cautious about that. Spotify, it's a marketplace, right? So you actually, they encourage you to not only are they not paying you, but you pay them to get on a playlist and get a position to then get more listens. So in all these different ways, and then ultimately, what are they doing with the user data? They're, they're, they're doing it like all the other Web2 giants. They're, they're selling that information off. And it's not, about, it's not about surveillance like they're watching me. It's not that. It's that they have the only map of all the connections about how people use music throughout their lives and they can sell, it's like sociological data and they've got the only map and they sell it to wh whoever the highest bidder is. Um, but 
that why should that be held in private hands? Why shouldn't we have a more open, transparent public world where we know what we're involved in? People can't just package it up and resell it. Anyway, these are some of the like the values that we bring to trying to offer a different kind of space, um, both in terms of media and governance and ownership. Um, and our and our goal is actually like kind of long term. You know, we want to see a different world hooked up. Yeah, totally. We should maybe tread lightly because we actually befriended uh, someone from Spotify recently who was uh, marketing us some um, some upper tier podcast advertising. Yeah, she said she could connect yeah. us with the Ford <laughs> yeah. car company. I'm sure that would be <laughs> a lot just, of eggs our listeners that would love that if this just cut right into a commercial for GM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, we can had bleep, a you can bleep me out if this is like against your no, you no, know, no, business I'm, uh, I'm strategy, totally, you know, I'm for totally the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're fucking around. We literally had a meeting with Spotify, and if we had taken it, like if the offer had been uh, whatever the fuck they wanted to work with us, I think this would have been the first episode that would have just cut to like advertising in the middle Isn't of this, this conversation. Podcast sound better than the speakers of a Ford Freestyle? I think so. <laughs> Is that yeah. a car? Wow, Ford Freestyle. Uh, it's but a I, yeah, But go ahead. Well, I remember the. I think it was the CEO of Spotify saying, somewhat recently within the past couple of years, uh, something about how artists. They got to burn more midnight oil. They got to work harder. These people are not pumping out enough fucking crank because if you're comparing, maybe not crank, uh, but, you know, enough tunes, uh, because if you're comparing uh, a musician to like a factory worker as his sort of mindset and everything around him is sort of, you know, want to do, then, yeah, it's, it's, it's like you're producing a simple widget. Right. But that's not what music is. And I think we've seen that musicians or artists in general just don't really work with a with a conveyor belt mindset. And in the past, right, record labels used to give musicians they liked an opportunity to grow. So they'd say, "Okay, your first album is going to be a bust, but we're going to do it anyway so you can learn and so you can get better. Um, Do you feel like Spotify has frozen out the opportunity for for growth? And and are you trying to uh, promote that with your artists? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're in a in a stage of like instant gratification. Like, uh, I feel like just with the way that the system kind of extracts, like it's like in the attention span, the like ADHD nature of like TikTok, whatever. Like, it's like they don't have time to like nurture an artist because like you know, like the the amount of, of wealth that they're extracting is the most in the world. Like at this this given like point in history. You know, so it's like it's like less and less caring about people, you know, and I think, you know, um, where we come at it from, it's like from a people centric standpoint, you know. And so like having artists being able to connect with other artists, having artists to be able to connect with other people that love music, some folks that maybe even be in the music industry, but maybe been of like, man, this shit has been whack. Like I haven't been able to sustain myself like the relationships have been fake. You know, um, but a space to be able to build community and to be able to share your labor and to be able to make decisions about, you know, your your environment and the, and the thing that you care about and do it in a way that uh, you feel like is in the right relationship because we we're, we're building in a democratic fashion. Um, I have a question about structure because you mentioned um, the drivers co-op. We've had them on the show. They're like pals of ours. They're cool. Big fan of what they're doing. I'm a big fan of co-op structure in general. Uh, but you also mentioned Ethereum, and I've been reading a lot about like DAOs, digital autonomous organizations and stuff like that for another episode that we're doing about the whole NFT thing all week and stuff. And uh, what's interesting to me is that the 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 world of the blockchain, it seems mo- to mostly skew hardcore, scary, libertarian, weirdo. Uh, most of it's, you know, seems to be a platform for venture capital, but there's this small sliver of it that seems to also be open to decentralized uh, ownership of, you know, this or that. I mean, there's literally like a DAO that tried to buy like an NBA team or something like that and sort of own it somewhat in a collective fashion. So there's this somewhat level of like experimental horizontalism going on there. Is is that something that's happening with your the way this is structured? Is it? It's part of it's part of our history. I want to say number one, like, um, so 
so I was uh, so we we have no relationship to blockchain. We're, that's not our our we're not involved in that. But that was part of our history, and it's also like you say. Um, I think that there's a lot of interesting rhetoric around uh, around digital uh, what do they call it uh, distributed ledger technology um, and Ethereum in particular, and people are you know capitalism is burning the whole planet down, right? So people are looking for alternative ways to organize, to move resources around and so on. And this, I think uh, some of this technology looks interesting to people and they get together and they talk about what can we build and why would we build it and so forth. Out of that, I think some really interesting values, social values and relationships have been constructed. And it's out of that that I would say this, this project works. We were a blockchain pro project in 2017 and 18, and I don't know if you watch what happened in uh, in 2018, but it was one of these, uh, you know, it, the the price of crypto was very high at the beginning of the year and about one tenth at the end of the year, and this organization was nearly taken out just by its relationship to that boom and bust. Um, and then in 2019, I, 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 went to the, I went to the founder actually myself and coming from independent projects like in the 80s and 90s, like I was associated with an organization called Sub Pop Records that oh, like I, nice. I encountered in like 1981 was an art project and it almost went bust in 1991. And because of the reality and power of music as a cultural force, you know, I've been able, like, that's the thing, like you say, it's not, it's not a direct line. Like, uh, uh, music is not a widget. When you're dealing with culture, you're dealing with language and possibility, and you've got a chance, I believe, to really make a change in history. And when people see that the world is fucked up, they're like, we got to make some change, and who can we lead, turn to to change, you know? And that's where, the, that's where um, somebody like an artist a writer, a filmmaker, a musician can actually like kind of seed social change. So back it up to the Ethereum and all that. Um, that's where we came from. I would say part of it was to parse. And the last three years, we've had nothing to do with that. We're interested in privacy online. We're interested in what I call digital dignity, which is basically this idea of transparency, that the that you're as you work online, it's not being taken in some other way, um, and that and also like local governance, which is really what decentralization is all about. Um, you know, so again, there are a lot of people in that space. There's a lot of money changing hands over there. Um, you know, it's and it's not it's not any one. You know, I I can get loud on these things, but the thing about the co-op is it's not really any one person's position. We we try to we try to look at all of these situations collectively, and you know among our members, there's some that are like ready to go with uh, some kind of blockchain technology. But for the moment, I think there's a lot to do with building with communities and kind of. We recently passed a manifesto, which might be worth talking about, nice. which yeah. which kind of does a has a framework for where we are in history and how we how we kind of move to a new you know, move beyond capitalism and how we might be able to use things like music as a way to organize to make those moves. Uh, and if blockchain is in that, maybe there's a way. But like right now, that's not that's not where we're moving or what we're trying to build with. Okay, so Resonate isn't run on monkey pictures. That's good to know. <laughs> if, if, if a swarm of members demand it, we'll have to hear them out, you know? Oh, yeah, fair enough. I am curious uh, about like algorithms because I'm like I feel like most of our listeners probably am uncomfortable with my metadata being you know shipped around and bought by various companies and stuff. But at the same time, if I'm on like YouTube, I don't use Spotify not because I'm above it. I literally can't figure out how to put it on my phone. But uh, if I'm on YouTube looking up music and uh, I'm listening to something and it suggests something else, I kind of like that. Right? Is there do you use an algorithm that suggests other uh, artists to people without invading privacy? And, and how does that, how do you envision that working? Yeah. I mean, yeah, these are conversations that we have in our, um, in some of our like community team meeting, you know, um, 
And for us, it's like for people to be able to have the option, right? You can opt in or opt out of, um, you know, being able to have that data collected, like for your experience. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, cause we were even talking about like having more genre specific stuff play, you know, for, for um, you know, if you can, you can set a tab to be able to do that. You know, like all of these things I think we're exploring. And like, I think the, the main thing it's just around making sure that people are clear that nothing that we do is done um, without your mm-hmm. input. You know, like you'll you'll have the, the space to be able to, to say I, I rock with this or I don't rock with yeah. it. And um, yeah, yeah, that's 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 how it, yes. how it is. We don't have any algorithm type stuff right now. Um, personally, I rather I kind of look at the the co-op as a as like and technology in general as a way to connect human beings. So personally, in my vision, we have more people like I would follow somebody who, because it's just like how I've run into music in my life. Like I'll find somebody and they'll tell me about something. And if I kind of trust that person, I'll check it out. And that's, and that builds relationships. So personally, I wanted to build more of that, but to be honest, um, we are, (laughs) We've got a, you know, people can go to resonate.coop and see what we got right now. We've got a, a really bare bones, almost, I say, a toy version of the service. We've got a lot to come. You know, we're about to drop some new, uh, new, new features and so forth uh, for people. But, um, you know, these are the kinds of questions that, as a co-op, we think we can deliberate on. Um, and, and hopefully even provide pluralistic spaces. So if the people want that algorithm, they go to the algorithm part of the co-op, you know, and Mm -hmm. if they want to, if they want to follow a particular, um, DJ or community, um, they'll be able to find those signals and follow those threads. You mentioned, uh, you were involved in sub pop earlier. It kind (laughs) of made me think about something. Um, you know, the story of like, indie record labels over a number of years is that they you know sort of were diy you know built from the ground up and then eventually created art that became the mainstream as a generation of uh of indie you know fans grew up is that the plan here is this like the indie version of a spotify or are you literally going to try to get like taylor swift to put her stuff on uh resonate and try to capture the entire market because that's kind of spotify's deal is look we have everything so where else you gonna go um what's the plan of attack here you know do you do you embrace being the alternative or do you try to grow and become the entire thing personally yeah i i'm i i don't think it makes sense to compete on volume with these giants um i think we've I think we make spaces that work for people that at this time, you know, when I'm talking about a place that's private, that doesn't use your data this way, that's democratic, that happens to be, you know, we have to create those spaces. Those are emerging spaces. Um, And I think the art should fit that same, those spaces. Like I, I think there will be artists if they're not already, I mean, in fact, there are artists that are very much, you know, we have artists with millions of followers who want to see us be that platform that doesn't necessarily go for uh, the volume of Spotify, but definitely handles, you know, a million listens a day, if you will, or, or could take, you know, when people hear this podcast and a hundred thousand people go to sign up, it doesn't crash our server. You know, uh, we've been building. To, don't worry. Been, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're here. Oh, well. um, but yeah, no, I think that, you know, and again, I think we very much follow, and I think Brandon can really speak to this, but we're really interested in, um, you know, some of the people that we work with have a concept of dual power. Like you, you build in alternative spaces, you build things that actually work for people. Um, the people that come into that space help build the space the way they want it. And you don't really, it's like, you don't have, you know, we talked about issues with Spotify. I'm not really about trying to take down Spotify or fix Spotify. I think they're I think they're a symptom of greater problems that we best do by building something that's an alternative. Um, so, yeah, that I hope that answers your question. Yeah, for sure. Um, that kind of leads me into another question I had. Something happened recently 
with uh, this comedian named Kyle Kinane, who's rather famous. Uh, I think we're all big fans of him. He um, had all of his material purged from Spotify, kind of rendering a, an opportunity to host him elsewhere. D- do you guys host stand-up comedy? Do you host podcasts? Are you into our stuff that we create? Is that... Uh, is that an option? Do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> you like get that one, Brad? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I'll I, say, I think, I'll say, yeah. like, we got our hands full with the music and the co-op, and then building with other co-ops because that's also part of our vision. Is like we might handle music for the people that really, you know, stake their lives on music. That's that's ideally the people that are in our community. Um, but you know, the people that handle food or transportation, like drivers co-op we really look forward to a world where like my co-op membership or what I've earned in this co-op, I can translate to that co-op. So that dual power thing can go pretty quick where now, you know, my whole lifestyle is supported by co-ops. But to, to, to be more direct about this program and, and and so forth um, we're, we got, we're, we're, we're handling music right now, but yes, I would say that we are very much committed to um, you know, building a space for alternative media um, and this kind of, we don't do a, we don't have a lot of spoken word and we we've got, we're talking about how to incorporate that in, in what we offer. Uh, but you know, the way to do it, you got to come to our meetings and you got to sign up and, um, and make the case, you know, fair enough. Um, <laughs> let's talk about structure a little bit more. Um, I've looked into, the co-op thing myself um something that's been a project on my back burner for a while is like someday i would like to start a cooperatively run comedy club uh mm. saying this on the podcast in case anybody out there has money they want to throw at that idea um but uh, uh somewhere along the way you start to get into these questions of structure and like how you know h- how things are actually run uh, so, you know, how are you going about this? Are you, are you going full Rojava or, uh, you know, does everyone have a say in how the company's run or do you, do you have a board of, um, you know, directors or something like that? What's the hierarchy look like? If you go to the website and you look at our terms and conditions, you'll see what we've registered with the Irish state, which is actually where we're organized. We're, we're, we, because, uh, because we're in the EU, uh, our founder was based there. So all of our, our bylaws and so forth and the directorship and, and how decisions are ultimately made, um, who we pay taxes to is the Irish is, is Ireland. Um, and we are, we're a member, you know, our, our territory, our jurisdiction is in the EU, um, which reflects the fact that we're basically a global music project, um, and that's that's where we're evolving. But in terms of day to day, we do have uh, an executive team. Brandon's on the team, um, and we're building our our processes. We have a, an, a a a member election every year. We just had one in December. Folks can actually watch the proceedings of that uh, of that membership, that annual general membership meeting. Um, and ultimately, like we've got a ways to go. I think we, we expect to be profitable in two years if we build the way we'd like to build. And at that point, part of the membership will then decide, or rather the membership as a body will decide, what do we do with these surpluses? Do we reinvest? Do we pay people out on top of their earnings or whatever? Um, so that's, that, that's, a general, that's the general answer. Do sure, these, yeah, cool. Do these membership meetings ever go get spicy? Discord. Not spicy enough. So far, so far, everybody's. I mean, I, I don't. Mean, I don't mean to be funny, but like, like seriously, the people that are committed to it really want to see this happen. And yeah. and we've got we've got differences of opinion on things at a certain point, but uh, every so far, everything we put up in the last the last three years that I've watched has been passed unanimously. So, oh well, you know. I'm worried about the spice, but we'll deal with the spice. Well, yeah, because that seems like that's always the thing you have to uh, know how to deal with in a cooperative organization is how to deal with dissent and disagreement and how to how to manage it and move on from it and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that that for me, I think, is the thing that makes it a bit more challenging. 
I mean, when you have a, a hierarchical structure, when you got a boss, you can move a lot more efficiently because one person yeah. decides, you know, but like when you, everybody's a part of the decision-making, it's like you're trying to take into to account. And like we're global. So it's like people from have different perspectives, different life experiences, different understandings of the same issues, yeah. you know, like, you know, so it takes time, you know, and like, for me, I think it's a, it's a thing around like nurturing a, a feeling, uh, um, a community of care. And like, we can make decisions. Yes, the world is burning around us, like, but, and we can figure out how to navigate it um, together, but we gotta, we gotta do that. Like, and be real with each other and be honest. Yeah. You know? Um, well, if we did our job at all, people might be listening to this and thinking, I would like to listen to music on Resonate and not on some other shit. How do they do that? And how does it work? Do, uh, do you know, do they get unlimited listens if they subscribe or is there a credit system? Well, how's it work? Yeah. So uh, you go to resonate.coop and you basically, yeah, you set up, you, you, you set up a wallet. And so uh, you put some, you, because we're registered in Europe right now, our, uh, you'll see five euros is the minimum purchase to put in your wallet. Actually, you get a few credits for free to check out the service. Then you fire up the player. And the way the way we do it is kind of a blend. It's kind of like a, a if people are familiar with Bandcamp. It's a little bit extra or something like that. Like the first listen is really small in terms of what it the, the credit that comes out of your wallet. It's like about a fifth of a penny. Now, we guarantee that the artist will get at least a penny for every listen. So but we, we kind of uh, finance, uh, we finance it so that uh, you can, you can begin by exploring the, those tracks and people are paid, but it only costs the user a little bit to explore because we want to encourage that. Um, but so then the first listen is a fifth of a penny. The second is two fifths of a penny, four fifths of a penny. Um, and it doubles each time. So then it's like one, one, I, 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 for, I forget where I was at, but it's like, 1.2 pennies, uh, 2.4 pennies, etc. up to the ninth listen, which is then you purchase the track and pay no more for it. And so it ends up, a track is about $1.25 that you pay in total. So you, you earn that, you, you pay for that over listening uh, nine times. So the way it seems to work is that people do cruise around it doesn't cost very much, but there is money being paid to the artists. Um, people tend to then buy those tracks or at least listen to them enough to, to finance it. So we meet that guarantee that every artist gets a penny per play. Um, and that's, that's basically how it works. I'll say that like, this is our offer right now. Some we're this is what we're building for. Um, and, you know, we, you know, again, because we're a co-op, if if people feel it's not working, we'll figure out a different offer. But this is this is what we're building for right now. And if you are a musician, how do you uh, get your stuff on Resonate? Is it uh, you can you just upload it? Do you need to go through like an American Idol style panel <laughs> of judges, or how do they do it? Yeah, there's no panel, but uh, you do submit. Uh, right now, we're again we're like the toy version. We've got an uploader in development, but right now you put your stuff up. And we've got nice people, volunteers that will connect with you and get your stuff on the service. Cool. Cool. Um, let's see. Could we hear Go some? Because we, uh, I think we said we wanted to, we were going to talk about the manifesto at some point. Could we hear some of those uh, planks? <laughs> you want them Word. to recite the manifesto? Well, no, you I mean, can't just no, no, no. ask to see planks. <laughs> it's rude. You said, I, did you say earlier we would, sorry, uh, not. Word for word, but what is the what is the basic gist of the manifesto? I think so. For me, I think it's about like um, putting music and like uh, um, the the act of like engaging and listening with music, the culture around music, into like a a global kind of social political perspective, and um, and making sure that like whatever way we're trying to move, we're trying to move in right relationship with the earth and like um, its ecosystem and like making, um, making clear, like also too, that like a lot of shit has been fucked up, like just in terms of like how we relate to each other and how, um, you know, people are, are, 
um, exploited from and like dispossessed. It's like it's incumbent upon us, like us having this this tool, this 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 uh, the space to be able to use music as a tool to be able to help transform things. That's kind of I feel like the spirit of the manifesto. It's like, um, you know, all of these systems that like kind of just take take your art, you know, like, you know, keep producing, producing, producing like you only on one one end of the supply chain. You know, like we're 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 trying to make people fully human you know, and engage in, in the process of like, you're creating stuff, but you're also producing stuff. You're also, uh, you're not getting a wage. You know, you're not working for somebody, you're working with each other. You know, and I, you know, I feel like um, that's the spirit in which like, I feel like the manifesto is created. And like, when people come to resonate, you know, I feel like um, it gives them a, a, a sort of precursor of kind of what kind of vibe it is and like what we're trying to do over here. I mean, because to be honest, like the the concept of property and capitalism itself and, uh, you know, what what seemed to happen uh, was that uh, a, a pope in the 16th century claimed divine authority to dispense a license to the kings of Spain uh, that they then conscripted some agents to go to North America and claim on behalf of uh, this divine authority. Um, there was some stuff happened. I think the Spanish Armada got sunk in a, in a storm and the uh, British ended up owning those claims and there were wars. And so anyway, this whole thing, like the people in North America never, never like their concept of property was never established. They've just been subjugated by your, you know, uh, these European uh, claims uh, that have funded imperialism and capitalism. So we need to understand that music is much older than capitalism. Music mm. is a, a human construct. And all of these claims that are basically, you know, through, uh, you know, the tour Treaty of Westphalia or whatever, uh, like those are, those are superstitious. Those are made up. And if we're going to make it through this moment in history, we got to reflect on where these concepts of value, assets, all this stuff came from. And on the one hand, yeah, people got to get paid under this present system. But we also need to be mindful of how do we actually get the value, repair the trauma that's happened over the last 500 years, be respectful of the communities that still survive. And not only respectful in like a, a, a way of, you know, we got to take care of folks, but like, in fact, there are people that have been uh, in, like, as Brandon said, in right relation to their local communities, their local spaces in the earth and the other uh, flora and fauna around them that have a lot to teach and are actually been the source of the music that, um, you know, these other folks come along and, and, and claim under intellectual property, you know? Yeah. So uh, we're trying to, we're trying to really be uh, offer a transitional space that you know takes advantage of certain business conditions like we find them, uh, make it sustainable, make it work. People are used to paying for things, let them pay for the music, let artists earn. But ultimately, if we if we really build out a cooperative um, relation to each other and our place in the world, we should be able to manage transaction to support people that doesn't necessarily meet the capitalist scheme of logic. So that's really. I think that our manifesto at least signals to that and hopefully shows people who like, I mean, where would, where would American pop music be if it weren't for the African diaspora, you know, mm, like yeah. it wouldn't. And, but how much American pop music, how much of these labels have actually supported the communities that are, you know, the descendants of the people that pre created the culture. It hasn't um, happened. Sir, have you not heard Billy Joel? <laughs> Did you not know? uh kenny chesney i don't know yeah you're right. you um, make strong arguments you make very strong <laughs> arguments actually billy joel would not exist if it had not been for that so uh just kenny chesney i think is what we're dealing with although yeah hard to say <laughs> who's the who's the whitest musician we can think of um we don't have the time okay Steve so Reich. i mean there's you know the alpha the omega of whiteness it's it's yeah it's hard the to who, the, those are some scary <laughs> words you're throwing around my friend um let's see rounding out here does anybody else have any questions before we kind of put a pin on this 
I'm still thinking about the whitest artist thing. It's going to take a few <laughs> well, more minutes. Thing, it's is it you know Steve Reich or who the uh, hell is that? If these <laughs> intangible composer. terms, it's probably Steve Reich from what I'm hearing. He's a composer. <laughs> He's a composer. So that's very, but that's very different from you know Garth Brooks, the right? final who is, also, who is the Omega of the whitest. You know, you, you got to stop using these <laughs> scary white power sounding words to describe a man named Steve Reich. I think Jonathan Levinstrom is making some of the best stuff out there right now. <laughs> oh, Jay Lebs. All right. Um, cool. Well, I guess. Uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it sounds like a really great project. I know I'll sign up myself. Uh, definitely agree with i think your point of view on the nature of art and how it pertains to this stupid system that we're all trapped in known as capitalism so thank you for joining us and please uh let our listeners know one more time how they can find resonate how they can find y'all if you want to promote your own social media and stuff like that whatever you need to promote go for it cool yeah thank y'all for having us um you know uh i'll get i'll let rich handle the handles um you can you can find me though um twitter is uh at Leon Gray underscore and Instagram is Brandon King, no vowels, no spaces. Um, and yeah, I appreciate this conversation. Y'all giving us the opportunity to share, you know, about what we're doing. Um, uh, y'all Thank rock. you. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, resonate.coop, uh, resonate co-op, uh, on Twitter. I think it's resonate. I'm going to say resonate cooperative or resonate co-op on Instagram. Uh, personally, I've got some services there, but I'm looking to be on Mastodon and, uh, PeerTube. Uh, so you can look for Rich Jensen in those spaces and I'll be there. And And as always, our listeners know all that stuff is in the show notes. So if you immediately forgot it because of your adult onset ADD, look in the notes below the podcast and you can find everything you need. In the words of Madonna, music (laughs) makes the people come together. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the whitest musician you could think of? Oh, that's a good point. I don't think so, honestly. But um all right. <laughs> Thanks for coming uh, on. Thanks, wow. y'all. Peace. Right on. Okay. Peace, y'all. The resonate co-op, everybody. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> Give it up for everyone you've seen tonight. Music makes the people, people come, come together. together. We're going to get literally yeah. flagged and charged by Spotify for having sung that on the podcast. I just said it. I just did it in. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess I did just sing it just now. No, the robot can like hear the notes and you just violated intellectual property. I was quoting someone. If you take a quote, we gonna we're they're gonna take our money and inject it directly into Madonna's huge new ass. (laughs) Nice. She looks great for her age. Good for her. (laughs) She's using science to defy the will of God, which I approve (laughs) of. (laughs) I think it's pretty cool. Um, I just wish that she would engage in cooperative. Uh, mu- music selling that would be structures. sick if, if Madonna went on Resonate. Maybe that's what this will end up resulting in. So by accident, I ended up uh, I, getting them a huge, you know, partner. I heard she listens to this podcast. She's a big head. She says it's finished and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm one of the damned. Yeah, she says it's oh, finished. It's finished. Is that what she sounds like? That's your Madonna. It's impression? finished. Well, she doesn't really <laughs> sound like anything. Boys. She's like a fake. No, she's like a fake British accent. Boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now I think she kind of talks normally. But I don't know. All I know is she had a she has an X-rated book from the eighties with Vanilla Ice. Yeah, you've brought this up on the show a few Have times. I? Okay, well, it's an important lesson to get out there. I mean, she's listening. We just discussed this, and now she's joining the Resonate Co-op. I would guess, like, glamour stars of the 80s are going to be the most difficult target to get on your co- cooperative music enterprise, but what do I know? I'm just some fuck. You know, I just people like... Earlier, I was trying to come up with white artists to counter something they said, and I just... You know when you think of the joke, like, an hour later? I should have said, 
Does the name Jason Mraz mean nothing to you, sir? Yeah, that's good. There we go. Though I oh, bet well. there are a lot of, you know, sort of uh, uh, Cuban exile types who like Jason Mraz. I've actually seen the SoundCloud receipts, and we have a lot of listens in Mraz mania. <laughs> Mraz <What>? Dan? <laughs> My friend uh, Ryan County one time for his birthday, he uh, put an ad on Craigslist that he wanted to hire a Jason Mraz impersonator to come play at this pool party he was having in his backyard. And someone totally did it. This guy showed up. I don't know if he already was a Jason Mraz impersonator or he like did. He was just an actor and a musician who like <laughs> was like a hundred bucks, huh? And he like, but he <laughs> nailed it. He came in with the little fedora thing and sang awesome. that song that's in Viagra commercials and stuff and like did not break character for like an hour and then that left. That kicks Ooh. ass, dude. You, I, you know they have a, like a whole host of people like who just live live on Hollywood Boulevard and they have a mirror in their room and they wake up, there's no other decorations and they look at it every morning and they go you must be formless! And those people <laughs> hit nail every audition. <laughs> True. I, there should be a co-op for them. Yeah. Very <laughs> old men impersonate <laughs> yeah you got the the uh faces on the wall like the faceless man in game of thrones remember that remember game yeah. of thrones oh man yeah i do there was so much hope in the world back then the liberal left wants you to forget game of thrones let's do plugs and get out of here everyone uh i'll go first i have a show tentatively unless it gets canceled because of Omicron on the 18th of January. That's this coming Tuesday at the gutter and NYC in Brooklyn in uh Bush, not Bushwick, uh, Williamsburg, Greenpoint area. It's uh, my birthday and I'm starting a show unless Omicron and COVID sort of kill comedy again, permanently again. We'll see. I don't know. If you get a ticket, it'll be refunded if we cancel it. Um, and I'm also going on tour with Eve 6. All of the same tentative rules apply to that, too. That's in April and May. And uh, my other show is Why You Mad? And I'm Feral Jokes on Everything. You know that. That's it. Um, okay, I got one. Uh, I think I announced this last week, but I'm back at it again. The Theater of Delight Season 4 Kickstarter is off to a bang start. We are around 30% funded already. Thank you to everybody who donated. Uh, for a small donation, you can produce the fourth season of the hit audio drama Theater of Delights. All your favorite characters. All the drama of yesteryear will you be the one to unlock such emotions find out at kickstarter.com slash theater of delights it's also pinned on my twitter at patak test kitchen on twitter.com i am at anders lee here on twitter dursley one on instagram my other show is redacted tonight you can find it on rt america if you have cable and select cities also youtube and portable.tv damn i'll be hitting that link <laughs> to watch Damn. Anders some more. <laughs> I like talking to Anders on Zoom and then logging off and just watching him. Just oh, taking it all in. I don't, you don't have do the, You don't have the separate window going like I do? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I stroke the screen. That's why I had to have my camera turned off this episode. I'm so I could dual just Andersing. caress my sweet Anders. You can get brain damage from that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fiend. I'm, that's not Madonna's <laughs> voice. I'm in her Italian. It's finished, mate. Down that's on my <laughs> knees, it's finished. It's music. 